Hey, fan bros, this is Tatiana King-Jones. We have an awesome episode up ahead for you. But remember, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. Holla. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets? This is Chico Leo uh, coming at you with another Fan Bros special delivery. Uh, tonight, uh, since we're at a weird time of the year and we're in between TV shows, and we just had this weekend the premiere, the Netflix premiere of Marco Polo, uh, I thought I would watch the whole the whole first season over the weekend and uh, let you know what I thought. And uh, overall, I, I thought it was really dope. Um, for those of you who might have started it, the first episode, possibly the first two episodes, are a little bit of a slog. Um, it's by the end, it's really fantastic, and it really picks up every couple of episodes. So it starts out, and I think I feel like it's intriguing and pretty good, but the pacing is a little weird. Um, by the third episode, I think it's very good. By the fifth episode, I think it's really good. Uh, then the seventh episode, things just really kick in, and it's you're like, holy shit, this is re- a really dope show. And just continuing through the end, um, both the plot and the action basically increase with each episode. In the first episode, we go like 40 minutes. We open up at the scene of uh, a battle, but uh, the battle's over and there's a lot of people uh, like their heads are on spikes and stuff like that. Um, oh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to try. I'm not going to avoid any. I'm, I'm going to avoid all. Uh, spoilers, because I think it's unreasonable to assume anyone watching this watched all 10 episodes this weekend. So I'm just going to speak in broad terms. There's not going to be any spoilers. Um, But anyway, what I was starting to say was we go like 40, 45 minutes before we get any action in the first episode. And that's not the case as it goes on. I mean, there's all kinds of action. Um, A lot of real, I thought really good Kung Fu stuff. Um, a lot of good costume stuff, a lot of good battles with armies, you know, battles with, you know, small, you know, groups of dudes on other dudes. Um, and you see a lot of stuff that you don't see that you don't normally see on TV. Uh, Netflix was advertising this as their Game of Thrones. And while it's not Game of Thrones, I think it's close enough that they're actually they can say that they can say it's their Game of Thrones. In terms of, like, the big battle at the end, um, I mean, you knew that. That's not a spoiler. You knew that there was going to be a big battle, you know, in one of the last episodes. And that's basically as good as anything that's been shown on TV, with the exception of the big battles it towards the end of each season of Game of Thrones. Um, you know, it's not up to the Battle of Blackwater or the battle at the Wall this last season. But it's as good as anything that they show on the Vikings or Spartacus uh, better than Rome, definitely, you know, basically, you know, Game of Thrones set the standard, and this is basically coming close. Um, the other stuff, the scenery, the costumes, the cinematography, all that is is pretty much, you know, on par with Game of Thrones. There's definitely a lot less CGI, but the costumes are incredible. Uh, it takes place in 13th century Mongolia. And it's Marco Polo is a young son of an Italian trader who's trying to win Kublai Khan's favor so that he can trade along the Silk Road. 
and Marco Polo ends up at Kublai Khan's court. Kublai Khan is um, Genghis Khan's grandson. I always said Genghis, but they say Genghis in this. Um, and his the performance by Benedict Wong, who plays him, is definitely a revelation. Um, he's... He was in um, he was in a movie about illegal uh, or, you know, undocumented immigrants in England uh, during the 2000s. And I know I saw that and he was good. But the last thing I saw him in, he was one of the pilots in Prometheus. You know, one of the guys who goes down with the ship with Idris Elba uh, in Prometheus. And he's incredible in this. I mean, he's basically Tony Stark meets... I mean, Tony... Not Tony Stark. He's basically Tony Soprano meets Ned Stark. Um, sort of his own version of Tony Stark, I guess. But he's really, really good. And the series is called Marco Polo. Um, the guy who plays Marco Polo is not great. He's not terrible. He's a little bit of a drip. He's definitely among the least... Um, you know, the least interesting characters... I will give him credit. He manages to keep up with everyone else. There's a lot of really great performances. And he doesn't embarrass himself. And I don't mean to to diss the guy. But he's sort of like if you have a player on a team who plays really hard. Has a good attitude. But just doesn't have the whatever that everyone else on the team does. I, I, I would give him that. But, you know, if there's an open shot. If he's open and you pass him the ball, he'll make the basket. Um, but most of the other performances are way above and beyond any of that. My biggest complaint, and I don't know if this would be shared by a lot of people. I, I don't even know what the solution is. The whole series is in England, English. It takes place in the 13th century Mongol court. Um, I almost wish they just gave Marco Polo a translator and everything went through him and everything else was either in Mongolian or Chinese, but that, that even that would become an issue. Um, so you have Chinese actors from China, Chinese actors from Canada, Chinese actors from England, Chinese actors from Australia, Chinese actors from all over speaking English with all these various accents. So the Chinese actors from China are speaking English with like a Chinese accent. The Chinese actors from American Canada are speaking English with American or Canadian, you know. So it's like that. That's a little jarring. I don't I don't really know which language it should have been in because one of the plot points is that Kublai Khan um who's taken over basically like a quarter of the earth at this point um He's being accused by a lot of Mongolians of be, being too Chinese. Um, he has a really international court. He's taken over all these lands and he has people in his court. He has advisors. So he has Arab advisors. He's got Central Asian advisors. He's got Indian advisors. He's got Chinese advisors. He's got Taoist advisors. He's got Muslim advisors. And to some of the um, his Mongolian people, they feel like he's becoming a little too Chinese. Uh, the main plot um, is that uh, Kublai Khan has taken over all of China except for the Song Dynasty, um, which is in southern China. And it's something that his grandfather, Genghis, couldn't do. And he's basically trying to consolidate his power uh, take out the Song Dynasty and then he's going to move on the West um, <clears throat> the guy who runs the Song Dynasty and is his major um, I guess antagonist the major bad guy is um, the Chancellor 
and he's a really dope enemy. Um, I've definitely seen the actor before. You, you definitely see a lot of a lot of the actors who've been in this. You might not recognize them, but you've seen them in the last ten years. And I feel like this Marco Polo alone is a rebuke to Ridley Scott's really, really ridiculous statement that when he talked about why he why he white you know the whitewashing of Exodus and he talked about oh for funding you know I can't you can't cast Mohammed so and so well the reality is Ridley Scott in his own movie Kingdom of Heaven about the Crusades cast a bunch of Middle Eastern actors including dude who played the doctor from uh, Deep Space Nine and a really, really, really well-regarded Muslim actor who actually played um, Saladin. So Ridley Scott himself had used actors whose name, you know, weren't necessarily known in the West for a big budget movie and gotten the money. And here on Netflix, they've got, you know, people from all over because this is, you know, but they're not well known to the West. They're all over the East, you know, the Asian actors, Central Asian actors, South Asian actors, that kind of thing. Um, Joan Chen plays the Empress who, uh, you know, Twin Peaks fans will remember as Josie and who played uh, the role of the Quick in um, The Blood of Heroes slash Salute to the Jugger. That's uh, the greatest sports movie ever made about a sports game uh, called Jugging in the Post-Apocalypse. Um, and she's been in other things too, but I haven't seen Joan Chen in a while and it was great to see her. She played the Empress, um, Kublai Khan's wife. Um, just because he has a wife, Kublai Khan also has a huge concubine, uh, many of whom are like the daughters of the nobles of lands that he's uh, conquered. Um, there's definitely like Game of Thrones, along with a lot of great you know, scenery, cinematography, elaborate costumes, great sets. There's definitely a lot of nudity, and the nudity is definitely even less balanced than it is on Game of Thrones. Um, there's a lot of naked ladies in this. Um, there's even a fight scene where a concubine is fighting off four dudes, and she's completely naked, and they have armor and swords. Um... So yeah, I can't say enough. There's a lot of really great kung fu stuff. If you were a fan of like the Run Run Shaw movies of the 70s, you know, Master Killer, Duel of the Iron Fist, any any of those movies, this is like that. Um, you know, the way Game of Thrones is like, you know, Beastmaster. I mean, this is that, but with incredible budgets. And the fighting is really incredible, but nothing super, super, super human. They're not flying on wire. I mean, they're not flying on wires or any of that stuff. It's pretty straightforward kung fu uh, and pretty, pretty straightforward, um, you know, swords on swords and horseback combat. And there's one big, you know, siege sequence. So it's a lot of that. But there's also a, a hell of a lot of intrigue, which Game of Thrones has. Everybody has an agenda. Even people who have the same agenda might have that agenda for differing reasons. People are competing with each other. And dude Benedict Kong, uh, Benedict Wong, who plays Kubla Khan, sort of sits above it all. Um, and again, I think this guy's performance is 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 alone reason to watch um, Marco Polo. And he sits on a really dope throne that looks a lot more comfortable than the Iron Throne uh, in Game of Thrones. And, um, 
Yeah, so there's a lot a lot of court intrigue, palace intrigue, you know, with concubines and eunuchs and assassins um, and and all kinds of court advisors. And Marco Polo, um, one of the thing, things that Kublai Khan did was that he brought in people from all, all different lands, both to learn about their technology and the way they do things, but also because they have a different eye, you know, for stuff. And it was a smart thing to do. Um, Alexander had kind of done the same thing, the uh, Macedonian conqueror. Kublai Khan conquered more land than Alexander, but Alexander did it like, you know, over a thousand years earlier. Um, and uh, they both were known for basically they took over land, but they let people worship their whatever gods. They didn't try and change anybody. They just took, you know, took over, uh, taxed people and sort of basically moved on to the next land. Um, so Marco Polo is there, he's there as our eyes, as a, um, you know, as the viewer, so that when stuff gets explained, uh, there's a lot of really great performances, but one of the really great performances is by a dude named Tom Wu. Tom Wu plays Hundred Eyes, who's a Taoist monk who basically trains Marco Polo in a lot of the Mongolian ways. He's, you know, really dope. He's a blind Kung Fu master, um... It's not at all corny. It's really dope. Um, he actually looks a little like Riza, although he's Chinese. And at, at some point, he actually mentioned something Wu Tang, and the actor's name is Tom Wu. But um, he's really dope. Um, the, one of the concubines, the actress who plays her, is really good. The one, in the, you know, the sort of conniving, ambitious ones. The actress who plays her is really dope. There's three or four really, really good um, Middle Eastern actors who play different advisors to the Khan. The Khan also has some bastard sons by by different of his concubines, and so they have places in the you know in the court. They're not as high as you know his son by the Empress, but they're you know they're they're noblemen all the same. And um, it's just if you can get through the first episode or two. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, I can't. I at this point, I can't even remember what I what my reservations were early on, but they were basically conquered. Um, you know, again, my biggest issue is that um, is the language thing it was just jarring in the beginning to hear. You know, all, you know, all, there's all these scenes where basically everybody is in there and is Chinese, and it's the 13th century, and it just is a little jarring. You know, there's music in the background where people are singing Chinese or there's there's this really great Tuvan throat singing that, that you hear throughout, which is a Mongolian thing. Um, and it's re- that's really dope. Um, but the, those are in like the, you know, appropriate languages. So the, the, the English being spoken with different accents by all these, you know, Chinese Middle, middle Ages Chinese people is a little jarring. But once, you know, it's nowhere near as jarring as like when stuff is dubbed. Um, And there's a lot of people out there, I guess, who don't want to read subtitles. And I'm not even sure what language they would have been speaking at the court because you did have all these international, there's all these people from different lands. But um, if you're a Game of Thrones fan and one of the things that, you know, the only thing that's sort of old about Game of Thrones is the same old white guys on horses with armor and castles and green trees and you know 
rainy weather. And this, everybody is Asian of, of all different um, colors and creeds. You know, it's every color of beige and brown and tan. And the armor is different and the art is different. And instead of these sort of green hills and forests of Europe, you get this steppe, the Mongolian steppe. They filmed a lot in Kazakhstan and it's just endless. And, um, you know, the architecture is different. Um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, I think it was the BBC. Some Somebody ran a Sinbad show and it wasn't great. But one of the things that I liked about it was just on medieval, you know, it was you saw medieval stuff. And instead of people using broadswords, you had, you know, the scimitars. And in, and when they were hanging out, instead of drinking ale, they were smoking hookahs. And the castles had minarets and the art was Persian and Arabian, not the same old, you know, um, stuffy Middle Ages European stuff. So this is definitely better than Sinbad, but it, it adds a flavor that you don't really get, um, you know, that's a little different in Game of Thrones, more in line of the stuff that goes on in Game of Thrones in Essos, um, or even with the um, Dothraki, who I think are loosely based on the Mongols. Um, so yeah, um, I hope, uh, you know, it was sort of difficult to talk about without giving anything away, but... The other thing is they had some really great cliffhanger endings. I think it really works well for a binge watch. Uh, people have jobs. You know, I basically made it my mission to watch it this weekend. And, um, you know, it's definitely 10 hours. And each each ending, you want to definitely jump to the next chapter. There's also a lot of intrigue and a lot of characters. And so I would basically, what I'm saying is, you know, try and do two or three a night if you can. Uh, there's not, you know, a lot of shows are ending or have ended or are on hiatus. So it's a really good opportunity. Props to Netflix. This started at Stars, which has produced uh, stuff like Spartacus that I think is first rate. Stuff like Black Sails, The Pirate Show, which is, I think, second rate, but still interesting. Um, but when Stars couldn't get permission to shoot in China, um, they... Uh, they, they didn't proceed further, and so it ended up in the lap of Netflix. Netflix uh, spent $90 million on it. Um, the money is definitely on the screen, although it's not at the level of Game of Thrones just because there's not the CGI stuff, um, you know, where they create the different lands. There's obviously no dragons. Um, the closest thing to that is they have a blind kung fu guy who, you know, is not blind at all. Um but, you know, they uh, there's a lot of Eastern tropes in there that's great. You know, the music, they feature some stuff with the Hashassans, you know, who were the um, Middle Eastern uh, assassin cult who would kill people and their payment would be their weight in hashish and they lived to die or they were already dead, you know. And if you don't know about that, you should definitely look into the cult of the Hashassans. Um so there's some stuff there's 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 stuff involving them and um yeah any like I said if you like game of thrones and you like you know the classic run run shaw movies of the of the 70s and 80s that I know I grew up with uh watching on like channel 11 on saturday afternoons or sunday afternoons this is like that but with a game of thrones level class and um appeal 
So, you know, um, try and uh, if, if you're if you if you give it a shot and the first episode or two doesn't grab you, I would ask that you stick with it, because by the end, I definitely I, I felt like I just watched um, almost a season of Game of Thrones. Um, this week on Fambros, uh, we're very pleased to welcome Axel Alonso, editor in chief of Marvel Comics. That's coming later this week. Everybody else goes on hiatus. They go into hibernation like bears. Not the fan bros. We're still out there. Rain or snow. Sun or sleet. So subscribe. You know, tell your friends. And uh, check out fanbros.com. Fan bros. Fan bros.